Are you ready tonight? Well, tonight, our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship, we're in module number three. Module number three uh, is our new creation responsibilities. As you know, we have four different modules that we, uh, we are um, uh, working through and going through this year uh, as far as discipleship goes. The, the purpose of discipleship is to create within us a knowledge and a platform to understand the truth of God's Word. Everyone needs to know where they stand. You know, you don't, you don't just need to be saved. You need to know about salvation. You need to know what it is to be saved and what you get when you get born again. What do you get? What, 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 what is the new reality that comes to your life when you are born again? And then as well, what is that responsibility that you have? We are in module uh, three, new creation responsibilities. What is our responsibility as a born-again Christian? We are specifically in block number 11 of these 12 blocks in this particular module. Block number 11 is a block on prayer. Uh, our, our next block will conclude us with module three, and then we will go into our last module, ending out the year 2013 for our church and uh, ending out the year's worth of discipleship uh, for you and your group. And that particular module is going to be on the future. What can we expect in the future? We're going to introduce the book of Revelation. We're going to give you a place to stand on the tribulation. We're going to give you, if, if you don't understand and don't know what, what, uh, what the Bible says about the, the coming of, of the Lord or about what's going to happen after that, what happens after Jesus comes, what uh, comes back again, what happens in what is called the millennial reign, and then what about the new heaven and the new earth, and then what happens after that? What can we expect? Well, we're going to give uh, uh, each one of, of, of you born-again believers, we're going to make sure that we have a place to stand so that we can understand the Scriptures together. You know, uh, going through the Word of God is like building a house adding block by block by block to the building of our lives. It's important that we understand what sin is. It's important that we understand what forgiveness is. It's important that we understand righteousness. It's important that we understand uh, uh, why, uh, why we should not be judgmental and critical. It's important that we understand praise and worship. What it is, what, uh, you know, what does it affect why does God want me to go to church? Why does God request and why does the preacher give opportunity to give tithes and offerings? What does tithing mean? What, what, what are offerings? How are they used? What are they meant for? You know, all of these things. Well, what about prayer? What, what place does prayer? I mean, I'm already saved. I'm already born again. I'm already on my way to heaven. What, uh, what difference does it make that I pray or, or, or uh, what, uh, what difference can I I make when I witness, you know, uh, it hasn't God already determined who's going to heaven, you know, and who's not? I mean, is, is, is there anything I can do about it? Well, yes, there is. It's important that we understand these things because there are many claims out here, even in the Christian world, many claims which do not line up with God's word. Many times people teach things out of ignorance or out of just a lack of understanding. But the Bible says because of a lack of understanding, because there is a, 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 a lack of knowing the truth, people perish all day long. We are called by God to not only stand as a Christian, but to know where we're standing, why we're standing, and what to do while we stand there. And so that's what discipleship teaches us. Discipleship teaches us what to believe, why we believe it, and how we should also 
portray our Christian lives to others. And so tonight, this topic is on prayer, a very important tenant of our new creation responsibility. One more block we need to add to our life. You see, there is no greater example for the Christian to follow than the life of Jesus himself. No greater example. No greater example could you follow than the simple life of Christ. Being a Christian means to be like Christ, means to be a follower of Christ. It means to be someone who is reflecting and portraying and, and living the life that Jesus lived, living the way that he lived. That's what a Christian is. That's what a born-again believer is. That's what a follower of Christ is. And there's no greater example for a Christian to follow other than the life of Christ. You see, Jesus lived a very open and a very public life. Uh, and and. Everyone around him knew how he lived. Everyone respected him. Everyone uh, from, from kings to common men, both the young and the old, from the wealthy to the poor, both the condemned and the commended, the religious men and the heretics, you know, the demon-possessed, the widow, the tax collector, the Roman guards, the governors, the, the, the harlot and the high priest, they all took note of Jesus. He lived a very public life and people who knew Jesus never doubted his habits and his manners of life. They knew he was very consistent. They knew how he lived. They knew what he believed. And they knew him, every one of them knew him to be a man of his word and a man of prayer. That's the two things that really capitalized Jesus' life, his word and the fact that he was a man of prayer. These two elements, more than any others, are essentials of life for everyone who dares to follow Christ. <clears throat> On the scale of Christian priorities, by the way, on the scale of, a, of priorities, the things that a Christian should do, the Word of God, attention to the Word of God, and prayer are the top two things in those essentials for a Christian. Our priorities, in fact, higher than the priority of giving your tithes, higher than the priority of, of, of going to church, higher than the priority of helping the poor or, or even displaying power to heal, higher than other priorities. Even Not to say that these other things should not be done, they should be abandoned or left unattended, not to say that at all, but on a scale of priorities, attendance to the Word of God and attendance to prayer are the two highest callings, the greatest callings. You can read about it even in Acts 6 chapter in verse 4 as the apostles declared that they should not leave the Word of God to wait on tables. They declared that their highest priority were to give attendance to the Word of God and to prayer as the high priorities of their life. Perhaps the greatest responsibilities that we have as believers in and followers of Jesus Christ is our new creation responsibility to prayer. And I think many times we don't realize how powerful and how important this responsibility of prayer is. You see, every Christian is called to prayer, but every Christian is also called to pray. You know, we should pray when we pray. So many times, if we're not watchful, we can get caught up in a repetition of prayer or in a habit of prayer or in just being in an environment of prayer. Even on these Wednesday nights, as we gather together 52 times this year in our church in dedicated times of prayer, if we're not watchful, we can just be attending attending prayer. We can be called up in an environment of prayer. But more than just being called to the place of prayer, 
more than just being called to, to, to the regimen or to the, to, the, uh, uh, to the rhetoric of prayer. We are called as Christians to attend to prayer, to pray when we pray. No one provides us, as I said, a better example of prayer than Jesus himself. You know, though Jesus was the only begotten Son of God, although Jesus was the Son of God, although He is the Savior of the world, although He is Messiah, nonetheless, Jesus lived a public display, lived a very public open demonstration of His call to prayer. Even though he was the Son of God, yet he continually engaged the Heavenly Father in prayer. Whether at his baptism, you know, you can read it all through the Gospels. At his baptism or in the wilderness or, you know, before he even called his disciples, before he called the apostles. Do you know he spent all night in prayer, the book of Luke tells us? You know, uh, he, he, he continued alone in prayer. He took people with him to pray, like on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, uh, in times of great loss, even at, 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 at the grave of Lazarus, his friend, and in Luke the 11th chapter, excuse me, John the 11th chapter, uh, Jesus nonetheless took time to engage the Father in prayer. And he not only prayed and spoke to the Father in that place, but he also said, God, you know, I've already spoken to you about it. I prayed about this before I got here, and now, Lord, Lord, I'm engaging you again in prayer, in times of loss, in times of great anguish. Like in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus found himself engaging the Father in prayer in critical moments of his life. And even in times of great glory and great hope for the future, like in John the 17th chapter, in times whenever he was hoping that God would, 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 would not, not only uh, uh, fulfill his glory in him, but also be glorified in his Father. Here the whole chapter is just a chapter of nothing more than Jesus praying. Or uh, in times, even on the cross, Jesus lifted up His voice and engaged His heavenly Father, communicating with God Almighty in prayer. You see, Jesus always led His life and lived his life in prayer, always. Now, I submit to you that if the Son of Almighty God found it necessary to pray, then we too would find it of great benefit and of great necessity to separate ourselves and engage the Heavenly Father in a conversation that is out of this world. In a conversation called prayer, prayer that changes things. You see, prayer is nothing less and nothing more than talking to God. That's what prayer is. Nothing less and nothing more than talking to God. It's that simple. Those disciples who were closest to Jesus... They observed him on a daily basis. 
For near three and a half years, they watched him teach. They saw him heal. They, 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 they witnessed him walking on water. They watched him multiplying fishes and loaves and, and saw him raise the dead. They saw him transfigured into a heavenly form with Moses and Elijah present on the Mount of Transfiguration. They heard his teachings and they, they watched in awe as this, the Son of God, was made manifest in flesh to them. They observed him close on a daily basis and they watched his daily habits and, and hearing his word and seeing his power, they could no longer restrain themselves. They wanted to be like him. And in their pursuit, in their quest, in their desire to know how they could be like him, they asked him a favor. Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when Jesus ceased praying that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You see, they saw Jesus going from the place of prayer to the place of prayer. And in between, he would work miracles. And in between, he would, he would speak and, and, and lives would be changed and storms would cease and, and uh, you know, dead were raised because he went from the place of prayer to the place of prayer. This was one of the most important things they wanted to know from him. Jesus, teach us to pray. In response to this, Jesus repeats to his disciples what he had already taught the multitudes perhaps a year and a half earlier on a hillside in the Galilee. He said to them what we call now the model prayer. Some call it the Lord's Prayer. Uh, more rightly, the Lord's Prayer is John 17. This being the model prayer. This is how we should pray. This model prayer, you know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. In response to their request, Jesus taught them how to pray. He taught them some priorities in prayer, some key elements of approaching the Heavenly Father. The first thing He encouraged them to do was recognize God, our Heavenly Father, a recognition of God, who He is in our life, and the position that He holds, and, and not uh, more than just some legal form of polished rhetoric, more than just some, some road map to success. He gave them the heart and the spirit of prayer. How do you approach God? This model given to us by Jesus, of course, as I said, begins with the clear recognition of who it is that we are addressing, that we are addressing our prayer to God. We are not praying to, 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 uh, you know, to some um, other entity or to some situation, circumstance, some problem. We are communicating with Almighty God. We speak to God in prayer and a clear recognition of who we are addressing. And, and furthermore, he, he includes here this essential element that we submit our request, we submit our will to the will of God. 
Because we cannot know the full plan of God. We cannot understand all that God has in the infinite wisdom that He holds. And therefore, our approach to Him and recognizing who He is, we must also, at first, submit ourselves to His clear will. As Jesus even showed us in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He also told us that we should not only submit our request to the overriding will of God, understanding that He is supreme and He knows all things, but we should also not, not fall short of bringing our request to Him, making petition to God for our needs, even our daily bread needs for bringing the things that we need and the things that we hope, and also for protection and divine leadership and intervention in our lives. He showed us the heart and the spirit. We're appealing to God to intervene in our lives. Concluding with in this model prayer with a recognition of God's sovereignty, of who He is. It's His kingdom. It's His glory. It's His power and it will be forever. All things belong to God. He is sovereign, creator, sustainer of the universe. And we must understand that when we pray, we still fall in to the loving hands of a sovereign God to whom belongs all glory, to whom goes all credit, to whom is ascribed all power for eternity. Believers in Jesus Christ have a clear spiritual responsibility. We were encouraged by Jesus and the way He lived His life as an example. We were admonished by His example as well to cover the earth with prayer. Prayer is a God-given responsibility to every believer. Our key scripture today gives us some of the important points of prayer. Our key scripture comes from 1 Timothy, the second chapter in verse 1. The apostle Paul here is writing to Timothy, his young son, and this is what he says. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, he's not just talking there about all Christians or all of your family or everyone in your church. He's talking about all men. He's talking about those in high places, in low places, those who you love and those who uh, you, you know, uh, consider enemies of life. He's talking about that prayer would be made for all men. That we have a responsibility to cover the earth, to blanket the earth for the saved and the sinner alike and to petition Almighty God with supplications, with, with prayers, with intercessions, and giving of thanks for all men everywhere to cover the earth with prayer. It is a believer's responsibility. You see, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy here in a very difficult season of the earth. 
He had left Timothy in Ephesus so that Timothy could continue to birth the church that Paul had begun there. And he knew Timothy would go through some very difficult times. And so the Apostle Paul here in 1 Timothy is giving instructions for how he wanted Timothy, who was the pastor of the church at Ephesus, how he wanted that church to conduct its public worship services. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about them coming together as a church. Timothy, this is how you should conduct public worship services. He's going to tell him a number of things, but one of the important points to carrying out the public worship of a Christian congregation, one of the important elements of church is that first of all, the priority we are given is that we would give attendance to covering the earth with prayer. Specifically, he said, in these various types of prayers, and you, uh, to better understand what they are, supplications more identify with our common and in individual and corporate needs. What we individually need and what we need as a church, as a body or a nation. What we pray, God, we need this. You know your needs. In fact, the Bible says that God knows your needs before you ask. But yet he said, ask so that you might receive and your joy might be full. He said, in fact, you have not because you ask not. Jesus encouraged us to ask the Father in his name. And so supplications is us coming before God with a petition, coming before Him and telling Him our needs. When we come together as a church, it's important that we petition God, that we offer our supplications to God, that we tell Him our individual needs, our corporate needs, our church needs, our national needs, our community needs, our family needs. God, this is what we need, God. Supply our needs. Followed up by that, the Apostle Paul mentioned prayers, which speaks to our wants, our hopes, our wishes, our desires. That's more in line of God. This is what we would like. This is what we would hope you would do. This is our desire. These are our wishes. Lord, if you would, could you do this, please? More than just a need of, of my electricity bills not paid or, or I need healing in my body or my friend, Lord, their marriage is in trouble. God, they need you. More than that, God, these are my wants. You know, God is not just interested in your needs, but as much as you are interested in your children's desires and hopes and dreams, wishes, God also wants to hear what you want. What do you want? Tell God both what you need and what you want. This is the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit encouraging Timothy that when you come together as a church, first of all, tell God what you need and also lift to Him what you want and then offer intercessions which are prayers directed to God for others. Not just asking for yourself. Not just asking for your church, not just asking for your nation, not just asking for your family, but also for other people, for others' needs, for others' wants, that you would go to God on behalf of others. And then he says as well, the giving of thanks. Giving of thanks is a very important tenet of prayer. 
You can read about it in Philippians, the fourth chapter, in verse 6, as we are told to make every request known to God with thanksgiving. We thank Him for everything He has done, and we thank Him for everything He will do. We don't offer conditional prayers to God saying that I'll only love you, I'll only follow you, I'll only obey you, I'll only like you, I'll only pray, I'll only go to church, I'll only give if you do this. We don't go to God like that. We thank Him for whatever He does, knowing that His overriding will superintends His plan on earth. And we fall under that will. Supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. He continues in verse 2, giving specifics. For kings, he says, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. He's telling us specifically that we should pray even for those who are in authority, even for those uh, who, who, who lead us, our kings and our rulers. In verse 3, he says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And in verse 4, he tells us why we should pray. Why does God want us to pray? Why do we have the responsibility of covering the earth with, a, with, with prayer? Why are we called to blanket our generation with prayer? Why are we called as a church that when we come together to pray for our needs, to pray for our wants, to pray for the needs and wants of others, and to make sure we pray for all men everywhere? Why? Because God has a desire. God desires all men, verse 4 says, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, prayer and salvation are intricately connected. Prayer and the salvation of the whole world, those kings and rulers and all their authority and, and the rich and the poor and, and the harlot and the high priest, without our prayer, how shall they know Christ? How shall the world be covered? How shall the Spirit of God respond to the needs and the wants and the cries of so many if we, the church, are not praying? He intricately connects our prayer for all men to the salvation of the saints. You see, the desire of God, the earnest desire, is that we would continually pray for all men, that all men might be saved, and that all men might come to the knowledge of the truth. Even the mountains would be moved. You see, prayer is big to God. Prayer moves mountains. Even the mountains that are hiding the truth from men's minds and hearts. Pray. Especially prayer according to 2 Chronicles 7.14, which says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he said, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their lands. You see, that's God's heart to heal. That's God's heart to forgive. That's God's heart. And He will if we will. This brings us to our points tonight. Our important points, number one, is if we want to be like Jesus, we will pray. Okay? It's very simple. You cannot be like Jesus unless you pray. The disciples knew that. That's why they wanted to learn to pray. They wanted to be like Him. If we're going to be like Jesus, we must pray. Important point number two. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's not any more complicated than that. Just talk to God. Tell God what you need. Tell God what you want. And tell God what others need. And even what others desire. And always be thankful in prayer. 
It's just simply talking to God. Important point number three, God cares about our wants as well as our needs. God cares. Don't forget, let him know what you want and what you need. Number four, prayer is big to God. Prayer moves mountains. And number five, our last important point for this evening is simply this. He will if we will. That's the truth. He will if we will.